0: Okay, um, so I think we'll get started, if that's okay, Adam. Yep, okay. I am going to share my screen. Okay, Uh, so the, Topic tonight, for the most part, is going to be related to the uh, public meetings, the public and stakeholder meetings that we're planning for the end of June. Um, the The meetings are tentatively we don't have firm dates yet, but we're targeting the week of June twentieth. Um, and the meetings are going to kind of come in a couple of different. Uh, sorry if you're if you're not if everyone could mute or maybe Adam, if you could mute everybody. I'm kind of hearing some. So the meetings um, are going to be, the format of the meetings are going to be a combination of uh, sort of traditional public meetings. Well, when I say traditional, they're going to be virtual, so maybe not so traditional, but they're going to be public meetings that are open to everybody. uh, And then a group of focus group meetings that are going to have invitees, but they are also going to be open to the public. So if if somebody can't make the the, the general public meeting, um, they are welcome to uh, join one of the focus group meetings. The the focus groups are just going to be sort of uh, by theme. So uh, we're gonna have a group of university affiliates um, that, you know, both students, faculty and staff will be will be invited. Um, uh, But we can make it open. Anyone else can join as well. Then we'll have a group of frontline staff. So that means uh, drivers, dispatchers, uh, call center uh, folks that that kind of thing. Um, We'll have a group of major major employers. Um, And then a group, a very kind of broad group that we're calling community resources. So that's um, city staff, uh, social service providers, uh, medical providers, uh, those those kind of folks. Um, So that's the overall kind of plan for how we want to structure these meetings. Um, And the exact dates will be be coming soon. so the meetings are going to have a formal part, uh, a presentation, and then toward the end there will be more of a, a back and forth open discussion where we will have a series of questions that we'll kind of seed the conversation with, but it'll be more um, open uh, back and forth. The the overall purpose of this first round of public meetings are both to inform people about the study and kind of its, its goals and so on, and also for us to, to kind of hear people's perspectives, um, their preferences, their priorities, and, and so on. And so tonight I wanna to go through the, the presentation that was developed for the public and focus group meetings. And I'd like for all of you to kind of look at it from two perspectives. One, are we communicating the information effectively? And then two, I'd actually would like to get some feedback especially at the end from all of you on some of the questions that we're gonna be posing to the public uh, and, and other stakeholders. So with that, I, I, well, any questions so far?
1: I might just add for the group that the one uh, focus group meeting, where we're going to try to reach the frontline staff uh, bus operators and dispatchers and that. Um, that one might be a little more unique and maybe more difficult for the general public to join, just because we're going to have to evaluate some unique strategies to try to reach bus operators who are, you know, in and out through different times a day and that sort of thing, some lessons that we learned when we tried to engage with them on a the facility project um, outreach. So just a heads up that that one in the focus group meetings might be a little more unique than um, a couple of the others. It'll be, like Boris said, maybe the more traditional and traditional uh, Zoom meeting with a in-person accommodation.
0: Okay. All right. So um, since this is going to be some many people's first introduction to the to the study, and in some cases maybe even you know first introduction. To transit in Lawrence, we're going to start with some background information. um, You know, explaining to people that the two two systems have been working closely together um, since 2006 um, to coordinate their fixed route services, that together they collectively operate uh, 20 routes. 20 of 10 of those are focused really at, at the city um, population, and then eight at the university population. And then there's two routes, the 11 and the 29, that are coordinated routes. They serve uh, both population groups and they are jointly funded. And all of these services are, are promoted together and marketed together through the uh, uh, rider guide that, that is published um, on a regular basis and includes both uh, systems services. Um, so prior to the pandemic ridership, uh, of, on the two systems was approximately 3 million passengers annually. Um, obviously that's been down, you know, since the pandemic, but hopefully it's on the upswing again. Um, one really key kind of background, uh, piece of information for, for our study for this study right now is the new transfer center that's being uh, developed at the southeast corner of Bob Billings Parkway and Crestline Drive. So that's you know something that we're going to be taking into account uh, throughout the study uh, to ensure that the um, new the, the system, the recommendations that we develop, um, incorporate the new facility. So the, the new facility will definitely reduce the role. It won't eliminate the role, but it'll reduce the role of the library as a transfer hub. Um, it'll also necessitate Uh, as I mentioned, a re-evaluation of the current transit network to make sure that it syncs well with the new facility. The goals of the study um, that we're doing now are to analyze, at at sort of the most basic level, to analyze the existing system um, to identify the strengths, weaknesses, and, and opportunities for improvement or expansion. Um, as well as to develop service improvement recommendations that would not only improve the efficiency overall of the system but as i mentioned also ensure this smooth integration of the uh, new transfer facility Um, we're going to be over the course of the study looking at innovative ways and innovative uh, technologies to improve mobility in the lawrence region so that could take a lot of different forms, um, including ride hailing integration. So ride hailing is like Uber and Lyft and and those kinds of services. Um, I'll talk a a bit about that in in a minute. Um, Or Microtransit, which is um, a new emerging type of uh, approach to transit service that uses um, app-based demand response uh, service, and I'll explain that in a second as well. Um, The Uh, The the other last last piece that I want to mention here is that we do want to um, assess the the budget and service impacts of implementing a fair free system that's been a topic of discussion um, in Lawrence for for a bit now. And we want to make sure that everyone is sort of clear on uh, the impacts of that if if that's the decision that's that's taken down down the road. Um, So the approach that we're taking for this study is to try to assess three kind of primary um, data sets. One is is the market, the the market analysis that we're doing. Uh, The second is a service analysis and the third is stakeholder outreach. So those are all kind of co-equal data sets that help inform us um, of the key issues regarding transit and mobility in, in this community. So I want to talk about each of those individually. So first, the the market analysis, that is um, an assessment that's ongoing. Um, We're going to be sharing a draft memo with all of you, the the advisory group, um, in uh, the next few weeks um, of of the market analysis. Um, One key metric in the market analysis is what we call transit potential. So, transit potential is uh, kind of a measure of density because transit cent- transit service generally works best um, and it's most efficient in areas where you have high concentrations of people and businesses. Uh, so this map on the right shows what we call the transit potential index. Um, it's a composite of population and employment density um, and it's an indicator of the viability specifically of fixed route transit service. So, as a rule of thumb for fixed route transit service to, to be effective, you want at least five people or jobs per acre. So on this, uh, or sorry, more than five people or jobs per acre on this map, the yellow areas are the areas that have that sort of minimum density and then areas that are orange or red have a higher density than that. So, you know, at first glance, what we look at is the footprint of the, of the system. So you can kind of see the outlines of the existing routes and you can see that the footprint uh, corresponds fairly closely to areas of the community where you do have that sort of minimum density to support um, fixed route service. Uh, There are some areas that are green, so green areas are areas that have lower uh, density than what we typically would like to see for fixed route service. These are areas where sometimes it makes sense to consider a different type of approach, not necessarily fixed route service. And I'll kind of get into some of these other types of services in, in just a second. The the other metric that we look at in addition to transit potential is what we call transit need. So transit potential, like I said, is density overall of of employment and population. Transit need is looking at concentrations of specific population groups or population subgroups that tend to have a high propensity to use transit. So that includes zero vehicle households, uh, persons with disabilities, low income populations, youth, young adults, and older populations. Um, I I should also mention, that minority uh, populations is something that we uh, will consider but not in the early stages of the, of the study, not, not in the terms of identifying need because these other metrics are, are really good proxies and in many cases better proxies than minority uh, as a standalone metric for where there's a, a high need for transit service. Where we will look at minority population though is after we have scenarios developed um, to improve service. We will uh, make sure that those scenarios are tr- are treating uh, you know di- are not uh, negatively impacting minority groups, for example, in the redesign process. So it's it's be, it will be incorporated um, as we develop scenarios rather than when we're just assessing um, the individual routes. Okay. So um, the as we move on to, to the service analysis piece, Um, As we move from the market analysis, which really kind of strips the service away and just looks at the potential of of the community to support transit service overall, Uh, then we move on to the service analysis, which looks at how every individual route is actually doing today, um, or let's say pre-COVID, in terms of metrics like ridership, uh, productivity, uh, so productivity is, is a measure of ridership per hour or ridership per trip. Uh, ridership alone doesn't always tell you the full story because you want to understand how much did you have to invest in a route to, to, to get back the ridership that you have. So that's why we look at productivity in addition to ridership. Um, on-time performance, that, that's a key metric. It's a measure of the reliability of, of a service. Um, and, and so we, we look at on-time performance both in terms of early trips and late trips, sometimes um, being early is worse than being late because if a bus arrives at a bus stop before a person even got there, then they may have quite a long wait before the next arrival. Uh, network connectivity, that's another thing we're looking at. Um, that's kind of looking at at key, key points throughout the system. Are people able to make connections um, from one route to another, especially along the most prevalent travel patterns? And then, as I mentioned, environmental justice. So, so that is something that we'll be looking at um, at, the, uh, at the point when we've developed service scenarios and we'll overlay, similar to this map here, which shows the current service, we will overlay the recommended or the two scenarios, two preliminary scenarios over the, system, over the, um, uh, over the community and, and make sure that the changes that we are implementing do not negatively impact um, minority populations.
1: I might add just a little context to that, Boris, just for the group there, you know, the the city's been going through development of a new strategic plan and a a large number of key performance indicators on how we implement that plan and, um, the particular commitment area about equity and and inclusion really puts race at the forefront of what we're trying to do. So, so even beyond just making sure there's not negative impacts in those areas, um, there, there will be a measure that, that pushes us to put maybe not fixed route service through all EJ zones, but access to transit. So we, we may be doing on demand microtransit type service in those areas, but there will be um, through this process, there's certainly going to be intentionality from the city on how we increase the percentage of the households in those areas that can easily access transit, whether or not that's a fixed route bus or an on demand bus. But sure, provide a little context for you all from the city strategic plan perspective because that's been a long process that in a lot of ways is still ongoing, um, but is something we're trying to kind of implement as we build almost.
0: Sure, sure. Yep. Um, okay. And that's actually a good segue to, to different service um, models that we'll be considering as we uh, start developing service scenarios um, we're not limiting ourselves to you know the traditional fixed route type service model or even the traditional a ride which is sort of the old style of demand response where people used to have to call in and reserve a trip you know far in advance um, what we will be looking at is is new new opportunities and new technologies that have emerged in recent years that allow for um, new kind of convenience very responsive uh, uh, options um, for for transit service. Uh, so one approach is ride-hailing integration. So what that means is um, Uber and Lyft uh, serve you know many communities nowadays, um, and they can be integrated into your your transit service in a number of ways. They can be used to facilitate first and last mile connections. Um, in other words, getting you. If, if a fixed route only runs so far and you have another half mile to go, potentially um, utilizing Uber and Lyft for that first last mile of connection, maybe it's done during specific times of the day. Um, for example, late night service sometimes is now using Uber and Lyft integration in some communities, so there's a scaled down uh, network during late night. Hours, but if a person needs to make that last mile connection, then they could uh, potentially use Uber and Lyft for that. And those types of services can be integrated um, into the app of the transit provider and vice versa. In some communities, Uber and Lyft are integrating transit into their app so people can see that as they plan their trip, uh, you know, I, they're maybe planning to, to take Uber, but then they realize, well, there's a you know, transit option nearby and it's affordable and it's, and it's fast. Um, So, so those are some of the ideas for integrating ride hailing integration or ride hailing services that we'll be looking at. The, the other uh, service model is microtransit that we'll be examining. So Microtransit is a technology-driven demand response service. It's actually very similar to Uber and Lyft, but it uses a specialized fleet of vehicles. So it uses uh, small buses or vans uh, or minivans to provide a service that is more um, branded uh, and more, I guess, in some cases vetted, I guess you could say, than than, uh, Uber and Lyft, um, because there's a set Number of vehicles and there's a set uh, group of drivers that that operate this service. Um, but as far as the um, interface, it is it is quite similar to to Uber and Lyft. So these are just some uh, examples from other communities of what microtransit vehicles look like. Okay. Um, so the as I mentioned, the you know those three. Three data sets we're looking at is, is the market analysis, the service analysis, and the third one is is stakeholder outreach. So stakeholder outreach is key here because um, those first two data sets are very much you know technical analyses. They're they're number crunching, I guess you could say, uh, understanding the the demographics, understanding the ridership, but there's always. These untang- intangibles that we can't understand from the service analysis. The only way we can understand those things is by talking to the community, to the stakeholders. So. We have actually already started the process of, of collecting feedback from stakeholders. Um, we launched a, a survey online um, geared at this point toward the university community because we wanted to get, get them sort of engaged before they leave for summer break. Um, so there's a survey online now at, at, this, um, at this link, it's hosted by the Lawrence Listens platform, which is a platform that's used uh, for, for surveys throughout the community. Um, We'll be promoting this survey at the June public meetings. So people who haven't heard of it yet, and most likely most people haven't heard of it yet, um, we will be promoting it at those June public meetings. Um, There will also be paper versions um, for folks that can't uh, do the online survey. So the survey is designed both for riders and Um, non-riders. The reason that's important is because we don't only wanna know how to improve the lives of existing riders, which is very very important. We want we also want to understand how to expand the pool of potential riders. So we want to understand what not the perspective of non riders, um, what they uh, what they see as kind of the barriers for them using the this, this system. Um, so the survey will help set priorities for uh, transit service in the future Um, and it will also include a series of trade-off questions and um, I'd like to go through those trade-off questions here because those are sometimes the most maybe unclear you know most people know their address they know their 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 own you know travel patterns and so on but they don't always know exactly how to answer some of these trade-off questions so I'd like to go through these with you guys and I'll go through them uh, at the public meetings as well. So the first trade-off question is, um, it's a trade-off between longer hours and more frequent service. So, for some context, the transit service now in Lawrence uh, currently is available from 6 in the morning until 8 in the evening, Mondays through Saturdays. There is currently no Sunday service. Uh, The frequency of of most routes is either 30 minute or 60 minute uh, service frequency. So the question we're asking is if you had to choose, would you prefer longer service hours, um, for example, until 10 p.m. on weekdays or more frequent bus service? So service every 15 minutes, for example. Um, These illustrations uh, hopefully help illustrate a little bit the concept. So you either have more buses running you know, more more frequently potentially during a shorter uh, period of time or uh, buses spread out with less frequency but operating over more hours of the day. So that's the first trade-off question we'll be asking. The next trade-off question is um, between Sunday service and uh, in, or adding Sunday service and improving existing service. So uh, there isn't currently Sunday service in Lawrence. Um, and with the current budget, adding Sunday service would require a reduction in the hours or, or frequency of service on weekdays or Saturdays. Um, so it, it it's sort of a, unless the budget, unless the funding, unless new funding opportunities emerge, um, you know, there's a trade-off there between Sunday service and something else having to give. Um, so the choice that we're presenting is if you had to choose would you prefer, adding Sunday service, which could result in a reduction in weekday and or Saturday service, or um, focusing on improving weekday uh, and or Saturday service. So that's that's the choice we're asking people to weigh in on. The, the next trade-off question is um, more frequent bus stops or faster travel times so uh, the background here is that you know bus stops are currently placed approximately every two blocks on every route. Uh, the more bus stops there are along a route the more likely it is that there will be a stop close to a rider's destination. Um, but if bus stops are placed further apart, uh, a bus can travel along its route faster uh, making fewer stops. So the trade-off here, the, the 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 choice we're asking people to weigh in on uh, is more bus stops along the route for shorter walking distance or fewer bus stops along the route for faster bus travel times. Okay. Um, the next trade-off is between more service coverage and more service frequency. So buses right now in Lawrence operate Uh, along major streets, um, streets like Iowa and Sixth Street, but they also do uh, operate along smaller streets, smaller neighborhood streets. Um, So serving those smaller neighborhood streets does provide closer access for many riders, um, but keeping buses on the major streets could allow for more frequent service uh, along those key corridors. So so that is the trade-off are asking people to weigh in on. Buses running more frequently, but on fewer streets, or buses running on more streets, but with less frequent service on any given street. Okay. Um, So the next one here is improving existing service or serving new areas. So transit service currently, uh, or transit currently serves most key corridors and destinations in Lawrence, but there there are some gaps. Um, So for example, some of the areas that don't have service now uh, are west of 6th and Iowa Street or west of Wakarusa Drive. So the trade-off we're asking is, would you prefer to improve service schedules and or reliability in existing coverage areas, or would you prefer to expand service to new areas? Okay, that's the trade-off. And then the last one is uh, the question about fares and fare-free service. So transit service is supported by a number of funding sources, uh, including on board fare payments so a reduction in any of these uh, funding sources could impact the ability to provide or maintain the current levels of service so the trade-off we're we're asking is whether it makes sense to maintain existing fares which is one dollar for most passengers um, or to eliminate fares altogether which would result most likely in service reductions on some routes okay Um, I'll pause there to, to, to see if the questions, the illustrations, if, if all of that makes sense to you guys, um, or if you have any suggestions. OK.
1: So to be clear, I guess, for the group, this, so this is the exact presentation that we would plan to deliver as part of public meetings, and, and people will be commenting throughout it. So, so that's part of the question, right, is, is it, Exact, so what we needed to get at as a
0: complete are we missing anything. Right, right. So the this um, the these are meant to prepare people for the survey that they will then, you know, hopefully they'll encounter these questions in the in the survey, whether they take it online or on on, on paper. Um, but this discussion at the public meetings or the focus group meetings will prepare them for that. Um, the the back and forth at the meetings will actually likely be the next, well, if there are any questions about this, certainly we will address them. Um, the last part of the presentation is kind of the open forum
2: discussion, which we'll get into into next, so. Hey, Boris, this is Quiz. Um, could you go back to the very first drawing that had the clock from like, you know, yeah. So just one thing uh, for me, I, I understand this. Um, one thing that could make it a little better is, On the bottom graphic, if we're truly only offering six to six, maybe completely cut off the left hand of the pie, so where it truly just shows six to six, I mean, that's one thing. And then on the top one, um, it almost looks like, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but is this adding service from midnight to 6 a.m.? Because with the green arrow up in that part, it makes it look like we'd be adding service from 12 to 6. But it could be from 6 p.m. to midnight with a different color. So, just mm-hmm. something to think about. Okay. <clears throat> right.
0: Yeah, these, these are, yeah, good points. These are a bit illustrative. We've tried, it, it's a struggle to, to depict these in a way that is simple yet informative. This one is probably the biggest struggle of all the icons, but I, I appreciate the feedback. Okay. Um, then the last section uh, of the presentation is going to be where we present questions to the public. And I'd actually like all of you to pretend you are a member of the public now and, and maybe weigh in on some of these. Um, so the first question is, what are Lawrence Transit or KU uh, doing well currently? Um, you know top, top of the mind, what do you think they're doing? great? They're doing well today. we can go we can just i guess go through them and and you guys can either weigh in or, or let us know if there's any uh, if they're clear or not the, the the next question that we would pose is uh how could Lawrence Transit or KU serve the community better so after we you know start with the with a positive we'll uh, allow for some opportunities for uh, weighing in on what could improve um, presumably these two questions will take some some time because people will have, you know, hopefully a lot to contribute uh, on, these, on these two. So we'll document what they're saying in terms of positives and negatives. Um, and then we'll ask them, we'll, we'll sort of circle back around and say, okay, you know, we've heard all of these ideas uh, in terms of what could improve. So if we had to choose, if we had to prioritize of all the things that people listed, what are the, you know, top two or three that would be Maybe there's some consensus among the participants on what the top two or three are that, um, that should be focused on in, in coming years. Um, then we'll ask questions about the um, information that people have and whether the, the current system is easy to understand, whether people have the, the tools they need to navigate the system, to understand how it works, um, to use it effectively. Um, and we'll also ask about the environment, the passenger environment. Do, do the current uh, riders, or do the current riders, believe that um, the two transit systems provide an inviting passenger environment? And I know you guys have been investing recently in beautifying um, some of the shelters, so maybe we'll hear about that um, here. Um, and then the last question is: if people have seen anything at other in other communities, other systems that they think could serve as a good model for Lawrence. Um, obviously we'll need to temper expectations. You know, we inevitably hear about monorails or, you know, whatever other type of rail, rail service that people have seen in other places. Um, but often there are some things that people see in other places that they visit, that they think, oh wow, that's really, that's really great. Um, if we did that in Lawrence, it would really improve the, uh, the, the service experience. Um, so those are those are the questions that we'll throw out as seeds in a way, but we'll open it up to you know anything that people would like to discuss regarding transit service in Lawrence, um, either on Lawrence Transit or, or KU. Um, any thoughts about the about these questions and uh, in this approach? All right. Well, Sorry, this is,
3: this is August Brutusel. My only thought was when I was looking over this this weekend is that as a daily writer, I knew my answer to these questions right away because they affect me and my writership. And so um, are we expecting a lot of non-writers to participate or just with past surveys has been, has there been a lot of non-writer participation? Because like I said, question one, I knew my answer right away. Question two, I knew my answer right away. And then also like the questions that don't apply to me, like West of Wakarusa, I, doesn't apply to me at all. So I would have no opinion at all.
0: Well, yeah. So, good questions. Um, for the public meetings, you know, we'll, it's hard to say who who would participate. We'll try to. Uh, we'll talk in a minute about how we'll be trying to promote this on different, um, you know, social media, on uh, news releases, and so on. Uh, but it's hard to say who who would show up. For the four focus group meetings, um, which will mostly be open to the public as well, maybe with exception the frontline staff. There, we will be targeting um, folks who likely are not transit users themselves, but may represent groups of folks that are transit users. So if they represent, let's say a social service agency, they, you know, it's very likely that their, their clients do use transit. So it'll be a mix. I'm I'm confident it'll be a mix of riders and non-riders.
4: Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This may be a, a, not a huge comment, um, but I noticed as I'm thinking about the first two questions during outreach about you know, um, what's going well, what could do better. Then it jumps to the statement about the goals. And then the next two questions kind of also seem to be about are we doing this well or are we doing this better? So I wonder if those two questions you know, fit a little better with the first two questions and talking about what are we doing well, what are we, uh, where could we improve? I also wonder, particularly if there are individuals who don't regularly use transit, but I think we all might have some perceptions around barriers. You know, mm-hmm. Questions specifically around what are barriers to to uh, increasing ridership or barriers
0: to use of the system in general. Okay, good one. Yeah. I think that the my thought process, uh, and I could have gotten it wrong, but this, I was envisioning the first slide to be kind of focused on the service itself. And then the next slide on, on the peripheral elements that help support the service. So um, oftentimes when people talk about what they're doing well, you, they talk about frequency, they talk about hours, they, they talk about the, you know, the, the, the buses themselves. And then uh, this one is more like, well, if we know we, once we have, once you have a, a functioning system, how do you promote that? How do you, how do you spread the word Do, do people know how to approach it? Um, do they, you know, have a nice uh, safe place to wait and and those kind of things? So that was kind of the categorization. But I I do like the question about barriers to access. I think that's a good uh, good way to say it.
5: Um, this is Laura McCulloch. I'm wondering if there would be an opportunity in the questions to ask about a question regarding if there was one change that we could make um, um, to increase or improve ridership um, or to, that would um, encourage you to to ride transit or something like that. Like what would it be to engage those people who don't necessarily use it. I know that's kind of in the survey already, but if we're getting some open-ended responses here, that might be um, something that would be of interest. Um, I also just wanted to mention, and I don't know, this is really not um, part of the, the topic of the presentation because I know the presentation is really getting at um, preparing people to take the survey but whenever I have communicated with other people regarding some of this route redesign work one of the major things that always comes up as you probably are, are somewhat aware by now is the transit amenities and the the stops in the seating and so I didn't know if it would be worthwhile to say like you know our next steps might be um improving the transit amenities down the line or something like that, just preparing them that, that you are familiar with with um, that issue in the community just to kind of um, let people know that it's something that, that is being worked on now.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's a good, good point. Um, so we don't wanna just throw this out here about, you know, do, do you, have an inviting pastor environment, but also emphasize that there are improvements that are ongoing um, and and let people weigh in on those. Uh, Laura, regarding your first comment, I'm just curious um, if others uh, kind of share that that maybe two or three most important goals is still too broad. Like when we, uh, again, presumably these two questions will open up a lot of, you know, put a lot of ideas out there. Should we then say, okay, out of all, all those ideas what is the top priority versus two two or three you think that'll help focus people's attention
5: um this is laura again just just personally looking at these questions i feel like um i think this is kind of like august's point is that it feels like it's more directed towards current writers and so as somebody who hasn't ever used transit i wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable weighing in on some of these questions Mm.
0: okay that's a good point too so maybe we should have a question that specifically is addressed to non-riders saying if you're a non-rider what would what would be sort of one change what's the low-hanging fruit one change that could get okay got it
3: this is august food so i think what mr tilden said if i'm correct i agree with this first page really in my replies to this when i've given, given them to adam has really focused on route efficiency route uh, frequency, things like that, more operations minded versus like you said, Boris, this next slide is more, you know, how can we engage the writer? How can we improve information flow to writers? And so I, I agree with what Chris said.
0: Okay, great. This is,
4: this is Gary Weber. Um, relating to question four about the tools. Do we have enough tools? Um, it might be a good idea. If people, especially if you're not familiar with the bus, won't know what you mean by the word tools. So mm. it, would, it might be helpful to have uh, uh, parentheses with maps, brochure, apps, website, etc., so that they'll understand what, what you mean by tools.
0: Yeah, good point. Okay. Okay. Any other thoughts? Has anybody just out of curiosity? Has anybody taken the survey yet? Yes, I've taken it. Okay. Did it um, did it flow like? Did, was it did it fl- was it easy to take in, in your opinion?
4: Well, yes. Um, there was. A, um, it's a little confusing when you're initially putting in your home and destination on the map. <clears throat> you have to pin a, a destination on the map. The the cursor is a hand, which doesn't really imply that when I click with my hand over my home that it's going to put a marker there it does Mm. and it's pretty quick but it's not intuitive that if I hover over my house with this hand and click that it'll create a marker it does but I don't know Mm. how how you might improve that maybe a cursor maybe a an arrow instead of a hand I'm not real sure but other than that I I believe it was it flowed pretty well
0: okay great thank you
4: I right, Gary, we'll check and see what we can do. I know we wrestled a lot with those
1: maps trying to figure out the best way to make that work for us. Um, so I was curious what human's experience was with that. So we'll see if we can get something other than hand that's good comment.
4: Maybe okay. a, maybe a crosshair, you know, a circle with a, with a crosshair in the middle. That would be a really good cursor for identifying a location
0: on a map. Like narwhals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, well, all great comments. Um, I just briefly wanted to kind of go over how how this is being uh, how it will be publicized. Um, we're kind of splitting responsibilities with uh, between between the consulting team and uh, and and Adam and his and his staff. Um, we are providing content that. Adam and folks will be pushing out to uh, several different forms. So uh, there will be a web-based announcement, there will be a press release announcement, there will be social media postings, and there will be email notifications. So uh, again, we will provide the text for for all of those, and then Adam will be um, or his his team will be pushing that out. Um, I think Adam, if I'm not mistaken, if we would like to invite everybody on this call to also, once they do receive notifications, to you know push those further to to their respective social uh, networks and professional networks.
1: Yeah, I think we've had some recent success um, tapping into the different a lot of the neighborhood leaders and, and different organizations to kind of yeah, it goes out as a tree through those other serves. So we'll we'll do that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, so I think we have about 15 minutes left. So I wanted to uh, talk about one other thing, not related to the public meetings, but related to next steps. Um, we will be, uh, so as, as I mentioned, right now we're focusing, we're wrapping up actually the market analysis, which is going to be the backdrop for, the, for our service analysis. Um, as we jump into the service analysis, we'll be per, providing you guys and producing what we call route profiles. And these are kind of uh, diagnostic tools that, that we use. They, As we put them together, it helps us understand what's happening in the system, um, but it also then is a tool that, that you guys and an Adam staff can use going forward to, to really have a diagnostic assessment of, of every route uh, in, in detail. So this is an example of what the route profiles will look like. There's gonna be a packet of them, uh, one for each route. Um, they have a description of the service, uh, key points that are that are served by every route. And then they have a number of of metrics that look not only at what each route is doing, but how it ranks uh, among its peers. So um, the metrics that we're looking at are are total boardings, uh, passengers per hour. This is kind of what I mentioned earlier, where you have to look at both ridership and productivity to get the the, the full picture. Um, Passengers per mile, passengers per trip, Um, And then we will, uh, here down the side, we have operating characteristics, key operating characteristics, which are things like the hours of service, we call that the span, um, frequency on different days of the week, Um, and then on-time performance. So for every route, we will uh, document, you know, the percentage of trips that are early uh, on time and late. and then some annual statistics as well so annual ridership annual operating cost, revenue miles and revenue hours then for a few of the metrics we will dig down even further and rather than looking at it at the system or route level we'll be looking at it by stop and by trip so for example this is showing weekday ridership by trip um, you know we look at it by trip because we want to understand how does the ridership compared to capacity, for example. Um, If you, you know, typically a transit bus will carry 30 or 40 passengers, depending on the size of the vehicle. Um, So we wanna understand how many people are riding per trip. Which times of the day do you have higher ridership? When do you have lower? Does the frequent, is the frequency justified? Do you need more frequency or less frequency based on the ridership that we're seeing? And then the same goes for ridership by stop. So this is really where the market analysis and the service analysis sort of come together because we, when we look at ridership at the stop level, we can identify segments that maybe are productive and others that are not. And if a segment is unproductive, we can look at that the market analysis pieces. So points of interest for you know where are the shopping centers, where are the medical facilities, what is the density um, that is kind of. You know, underlying these these routes, if you if we identify an unproductive segment, can we move it a block? Can we move it three or four blocks to better align the service with the market? So so that's the um, the aim here. And then in each profile, there will be a section uh, where we have a bullet point list of strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities. Um, these opportunities then get grouped into the next step of the study, which is service scenarios. So uh, first we develop these opportunities by route, then we go back and we, we, we take these opportunities and say, okay, let's put you know, one set of opportunities together into one scenario, kind of based on a theme. Maybe we have a theme that is um, more heavily emphasizing uh, fixed route, improvements and another theme that's maybe expanding some, you know, venturing out into micro transit or, you know, other uh, types of service. And and so that's how the service scenarios will, will come together. This These profiles are the building blocks of the service scenario development process. Um, so I think Adam shared this template with you guys in advance. So any, any thoughts on this format? Um, uh, for from what you've seen so far,
3: this is August. So the only I I looked at that this weekend, and I actually love this car, these cards. It has so much good information. If you can, the only question I had was the passengers per mile.
0: In other words, why or I don't
3: understand what it means. Like, what is a how does what's that ranking or what is that tracking or what is that telling me?
0: Okay, so um, passengers per mile are you know if if you have a. A, a, a long route, let's say um, that route may end up serving a few passengers per mile you, basically you're investing in uh, a lot in a lot of coverage if, if it's a very long route you're investing as a community in a lot of coverage area but it may not be returning uh, it may not have a strong return on your investment if the passengers per mile is low. So you may want to consider maybe we truncate the route, maybe instead of running, you know, 10 miles, maybe we run eight, and and then we trunk it at the area where we minimize the disruption to riders. If you see kind of a point of diminishing return where the ridership starts to trail off, you could cut service that way. That same argument goes for passengers per hour. If you find that there's a point of diminishing return, you can say maybe we don't need to run a particular route until 10 o'clock, maybe we run it until 7, because that's where we see the highest concentration. By doing that, you boost your ridership per hour. Does that make sense?
3: It does, and actually, that it, it actually helps. I wanted to know more. Is it people currently on the bus for the whole mile, or board, people boarding the bus, or getting off, or is it all, everything?
0: It's it's just a, um, it, it's a fraction of, you know, you have your riders in the numerator and your miles in the denominator, so it's riders over over miles, so it's a calculation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is Gary Weber.
4: I I went on the agenda and opened this document from civic web and um, the question I have, I just have a quick question. It's probably, um, just an artifact of the way you've sent these out, but I noticed that the charts and the data and the map all have a, have a hyperlink over them and the hyperlink takes you to an iCompass site where there's a login. Is that just an artifact of this posting or, or is there something there I'm missing?
0: It's a really good question. Um, I'm... I can follow up on that, Gary.
1: Make sure the link is not protected in that way. Maybe it was linked to someplace you had to log in. So that was for this document. The...
4: Yeah, that was for this three-piece document. It's only linked from the map wherever there's data. It's linked.
0: OK. There, yeah, there should actually not be any link to it. We didn't intend for there to be a link there. So that's, that's... OK.
3: I think I just tried. I think they're all dead links. I just tried one. Okay. They take, they take you right back to the same document.
0: Okay. Great. All right. Um, I think that is. Everything that I wanted to cover today, um, we will be proceeding with, well, like I said, the first thing we'll be doing is sending out to, to everybody a draft of the market analysis within the next couple of weeks. We'll send it to Adam and his team first um, and then he'll share it. I think that'll be a topic. The, the market analysis will be a topic of discussion for our next uh, stakeholder meeting. Um, and then the service analysis will be a topic of discussion for the meeting after that.
4: This is Gary Weber, can I, one more question. Um, When you send out the notice that this uh, survey is live and you ask uh, organizations to push it onto their membership, it would really be helpful if you had content for a MailChimp email or for a general email that was written from the perspective of the person sending it out and containing very basic language so that members of a neighborhood association will understand exactly what this service is about and who's sponsoring it and et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> instead of having 15 neighborhood association coordinators each creating their own content to send out to their membership, if you had content already written in a generic form that I could cut and paste into any e- into an email to my membership, that would really be helpful.
0: OK, I think that's a good, good idea. All right. Um, I have a couple
1: of things on my list that I'd like to touch on, but I don't want to bump in if someone else had um, on the committee had questions about what we had looked at tonight or other thoughts.
5: Um, this is Laura Michalik. I did have something, and this is going back to the actual presentation portion, so I'm sorry to go so far back, but I just wanted to, to mention, um, I don't know if there's a good way to handle this, but in the portion where you discussed the microtransit and integration of like the Lyft and the Uber rides, um, you know, something that jumped to my mind was a concern about um, an increased cost to people riding and a route if they have to pay for like an Uber or Lyft, or um, additionally, like for the microtransit, who's paying for the microtransit transit, is that still like the same price, like a dollar as riding the bus, or is that putting the fee more on the passenger or that sort of thing? So, um, you know, addressing some of those concerns might be something to consider.
0: That is, that is a, yeah, that's a great um, question that uh, I I hope comes up actually from from the public, because that's an, those are all very important points. Um, I'm going to just briefly, go back to that slide, because I think I might have glossed over that unintentionally. Um, okay. Yeah. So so I'll go ahead and answer that now. And you tell me if it makes sense to you, because I'll probably get that question from others as well. Um, so the when you integrate ride hailing services like Uber and Lyft, it can be a very mild integration. So things like cross promotion, in which case there isn't necessarily a subsidy, or it can be a closer relationship where there actually is a subsidy where if you are using a service, um, let's say it's a late night service. Let's say that Lawrence Transit wants to subsidize late night service. When you go on your Uber or Lyft app, you would put in a special code and that would give you a subsidized price. So where your trip might be $10, instead you'll maybe pay four and the rest of it is covered as a subsidy by the transit agency. That's how it's done in, in some communities, um, but that's an important point. As far as microtransit goes, it, microtransit is far more integrated into a transit system. It usually is branded as part of the transit system, and the fare structure is is very often either the same or you know sometimes it's treated as a premium service, sometimes sometimes not. Sometimes it's the same fare structure as a um, as local fixed route service. So that is kind of a big distinction between these two models. This one is fully integrated, whereas this one is kind of like complementary of of a um, uh, public service.
5: Thank you, yes, I, that answers my questions.
0: And just add a little local
1: context because we had conversations recently with Kansas City and trying to learn more about some of the microtransit that they're rolling out. And they intend to remain fare free on their fixed route system for the next couple of years, but they are gonna roll out some microtransit services that that people will still pay for. And I think in our community, we'll have to be careful about where all these services exist. And if, you know, if we're running on-demand microtransit in on EJ zones, we need to be really thoughtful about the equity of making people pay in certain areas versus others. Um, the reality is on-demand services cost a lot more per rider than fixed route service typically if um, if your ridership's high enough. So we'll just have to really think about that as we as we plan out our service scenarios. We wanna be equitable and also deliver something we can afford to continue to deliver. Um, Those are good points. That's kind of another trade-off, I guess, if you want to think about it that way, Laura, that you brought
0: up. It also, just kind of to loop things back to the diagnostic route profiles, um, what Adam mentioned there, the cost per trip or the cost per passenger, that's the kind of thing we're looking for in the diagnostic route profiles. If we identify a service that has dropped to you know uh, passengers per hour to, to a level that we typically would see with microtransit, then then we would really start having to ask ourselves, does it make sense to provide fixed route service in this corridor, or is it more suitable for, for microtransit? So those metrics like cost per passenger, passengers per hour, passengers per mile, those th- th- this is another reason why those are important.
5: Carol Bowen, I have a question. I lost track of the comment about... Um, how we are going to identify barriers to using public transit. What kind of questions are we going to ask?
0: Right, so so somebody suggested that um, rather than talking or maybe in addition to asking the question of how transit could serve the community better, um, ask an additional question. What are the barriers, especially if you're a non-rider, what are the barriers to to access? Why are you not, why are you choosing not to use transit service? Um, although it could be for riders as well. Some people do overcome some significant barriers to get to, to transit. Okay. All right. Um, Adam, do you have anything you want to wrap up with before we go? Yeah, I
1: just wanted to just touch on a couple things related to this conversation, Um, and I guess more specifically related to the survey. We are also a couple other methods to help get that out um, more broadly as we are putting flyers in our buses. to to draw people towards the survey, that's been an effective way to get people who aren't plugged into our social media or listservs and that sort of thing. So that's One way, we try to get writers to take that survey, so we don't just get non-writers in the community responding to that type of thing. Um, The other piece that I know this group had brought up is just uh, access for people who speak Spanish. So we are in the process of developing um, paper survey that is analogous to the web survey that is in Spanish and are are working on how we can deliver that or make that available to people um, who don't speak English and and may still want to take the survey so we're trying to do a couple of those other things to reach um, audiences who maybe don't follow our traditional um, social media and email and press release outreach that we do uh, try to cover our bases better in that way um, the other piece that i might we're right at time here um, but i might bring up a Non well developed ideas to this group, just to have it on your radar. Um, we do have a uh, software that we use internally for route planning, um, called Remix, and we can kind of on the fly plan new routes, uh, alter routes, and see what the timing would be. And uh, just kind of, it's kind of almost like a sandbox type environment where you can uh, go through a discovery process to see if. A new route might work or if an edit to one might be interesting um we're, we're trying to think of ways leading up to the time one force would be helping us put out service scenarios on how we might um, work with the public to help kind of dream dream some new routes or alterations to routes i'm sure there's people who ride the bus now that I've been thinking in their head for years, like, man, if the bus just went down this other street, that would be so much better for me. Or people who don't ride at all, if a route went down this corridor, that would be so much better for for Lawrence Transit. So on the staff side, we're trying to think of ways we can um, leverage that tool and and get people to help us uh, think outside the box beyond the, there's a lot of analytical things we're doing to to kind of frame a well-functioning system. but also, I think some of that qualitative insight from, from people on a more personal level is something we'd like to try to do if we can. Um, so I see Melissa on the screen. We might be working with you all at the library to figure out how interaction like that might happen in a place where people can access. Um, uh, but we'll just keep that open. If you have, if any of you all have thoughts along those lines, the general idea of, of, the, of the public at large helping um, draw new routes or alter existing routes. Um, don't be afraid to send me an email with your thoughts and we can try to figure out how to make that work.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for, for all the comments, really, really good feedback. I'll make some revisions to the to, to the presentation before, uh, June. And, we'll work to finalize the dates and send out the, uh, the invite information for the public and focus group meetings. All right. Thank you all, have a good night.